Praise the Lord, it's chat time. Praise, praise the Lord, it's chat time. Again. Yes, praise the Lord, it is chat time again. Now this week we will continue to discuss current events and scriptures. Praise the Lord. So, you know, last week we were talking about near-death experiences and, um, you know, some people that had stories about near-death experiences and and. We ended talking about an article that I had that offers proof of the app. You know, do near-death experiences offer proof of the afterlife? Well, well, I guess for some it does. But, you know, there are people who have near-death experiences, uh, but when they say that they nearly died and then they went... In, in, into glory and then came back to, I, I, I don't know. When the Bible speaks about people who are on this side uh, of, of this, in this world, they are yet in, in their flesh and they have these experiences where they're faced with death, like Stephen was, Stephen. Uh, but in the Bible. In the Bible, right. But it doesn't mean that they actually either died and went to heaven and came back. See, I don't... So I, he I, had a vision. He saw Stephen. the heavens... Right, he saw the heavens open. Elisha knew that the angels were around him, surrounding him, and even though the people were coming to, uh, to take their life, he wasn't afraid because he could see spiritually. So that's proof of afterlife right there. You, you don't have to die or nearly... So that particular incident in the Bible is found in 2 Kings chapter 6 and 17. And I think that, I really like that. I really like that scripture. It, I don't know, it seems so comforting to me when I read it. You know, and it's always on my mind. If you go through trouble, you've got to remember that the Lord has you in his hands. Yeah, and he reads, and Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and 
he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Right. And see, and, and when they keep saying near-death experiences, most of the ones that they give, people have actually died. I mean, but there are some who they say, well, they put them in a coma, and this is what they experienced. But the fact that a person, it, it bothers me, because the fact that a person has received the baptism of the Holy Ghost is proof of afterlife. Because God has promised us life everlasting. And what does he do? He gives us his spirit. There's your proof. That's, that's by faith. Yes, and I was reading about, um, reading something here, and it was saying many people use 2 Corinthians 12, 2 and 5, where it talked about how um, Paul was caught up in the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body. He don't know, but God knew. And, you know, on basic on that. Which is true. Well, you know, those could be like visions. Yeah, but it's still proof. But, but he didn't have to just about die or die, or go into a coma in order to see this. When so person, what you're saying, a near-death experience is rare, and you can have your eyes opened up without having a near-death experience. Right, because once you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that's your proof of the afterlife. So that proof is that the Lord has eternal life. Right, and he saved us by giving us his spirit, and the reason why he gave us his spirit is so that we can join him with life everlasting. And maybe that's why people say that, because, I don't know, I, I can't say one way or another, but maybe that's why people say it, because, you know, they hear us talking about, or and they hear the Bible talking about um, everlasting life. After you die in this body, mm-hmm. there's and uh, I remember reading in Revelation where these souls were, <laughs> I think they were tucked under the altar or something, and they were persecuted, and they were asking the Lord, "How long, Lord? How long are they? <laughs> right. When are they going to be justified?" Right. Now that would tell me right there that there's an afterlife. Or when they saw um, Moses uh, talking, I mean, conversing with the Lord. I mean, everything that God has told us about life everlasting, you don't nearly have to die in order for it to happen. Now, when I, last week when I said, when you said, do you believe in near-death experiences? And I quickly said yes, but I wasn't thinking in terms of people nearly dying in order to prove that there's a a heaven, right? No, I was thinking in terms of people who actually face death and they have a spiritual experience, just like. But you know what? Out of all the things that you read about people having near-death experiences, where they do pass away, or you know that they're dead for a few minutes, or what, or they see themselves dead. Mm-hmm. To me, a lot of them transform their lives for the better. Yeah, well, maybe. I haven't really met them. But, but, <laughs> you know. no, it's only based on what I've read, you know, and how they say that it has transformed. But, you know, but I've seen people who had, just like uh, there was a mother of the church, and she, she went to the hospital. They did something, and you know how you have uh, your, your blood and everything become toxic, and you become septic, and she was actually dying. She said, and she looked up, and a nurse came in dressed in white 
white hat, white, uh, I guess, uniform, and said, you're really sick. And she said, yes, I am. And she said there were three uh, silver, like, uh, thimble-sized containers. And she said the nurse dipped her hands in, and she said it was like meal, and told her to open her mouth. And she, I guess, out of each of the little containers, she took something, and she said it was like meal. And she said in the next day, when they came, they saw that her body was healing and that it was rejecting the, 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 the toxic whatever was in her system. And she asked for the nurse that had visited her room. And they said, what nurse? And she said, the nurse that was duty, on duty. And they said, there was no nurse on duty last night uh, by her description or anything. They said, no, there was. So she knew she had had a vision. So I, I, that's what I mean by near-death experiences. There are people who have been in a situation, and while they're in that situation, uh, uh, the Lord reveals himself. Look at Jacob when he went to Bethel, and the Lord came and visited him, put a darkness upon him. Uh, he saw the ladder. He saw Jacob's ladder. He saw angels descending and ascending up and down the ladder. You, you don't have to nearly die to know that there's an afterlife, but if, for those people who... Maybe that's what it takes for them. But I, most of the people that the Bible talks about, they're alive and well, they, but they, they might be in dire straits and the God has to comfort them. He has to speak to them. He has to guide them, open up a way, show them a vision, give them direction. Well, I think, you know, sometimes that being human, mm -hmm. that, you know, basically for the most part, and especially if you're not saved, you're afraid of death. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're afraid of death, you're afraid of dying, and you yearn to know that there should be immortality. Right. Or, you know, so maybe subconsciously. Maybe, if, if, but if a person is saved, if a person has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they know. They know, but I think they're still afraid, <laughs> don't wanna die, you know. I well, mean, I think they still, might not be ready to die, yeah. but after a while, you come to the conclusion that it's time. Yeah, they, I was looking at this thing here. This guy said he had, after near three death experiences, he said, um, one Southern Nevada man believed both sides are wrong. He said, um, writer and speaker, D. Brinkley said that he's been on the other side at least three times. He was a star athlete, a U.S. Marine, and a successful businessman. Not very interested in spiritual matters, but it changed in 1975 when a bolt of lightning struck a telephone pole traveling down the phone line and slammed it to his body, melting the phone that he was holding. He said he went into the side of his head, above his ear, and it went down his spine. He said it welded the nails of his heels of his shoes to the floor. It threw me in the air. He said, I see the ceiling. It slammed me back down. A ball of fire comes through the room and blinds me. I'm burning. I'm on fire and I'm paralyzed. He said he left his body, floated along with the ambulance as it raced to the hospital and watched from above as doctors declared him dead. He said 28 minutes later, he awoke in the hospital more. During those 28 minutes, he says he was consciousness traveled through a tunnel where he encountered a spiritual being of light and underwent a grueling replay of his entire life, seen not only from his own perspective, but everyone he 
ever encountered, something he says was extremely humbling. He saw his entire life performing at a 360-degree panorama. He missed nothing. You know how many hairs were in the nose of the doctor who pulled you from your mother? You know everything that there is from the time you open your eyes. You have to complete cognitive awareness, no doubt about it. And that's all happening at the same time. No doubt about it. Then you watch the same life from a second-person point of view as if you were your own best friend. So you see how silly, how funny, how dumb, how stupid it was, but it's one of your best friends, you know. There's no judgment, just looking. And then you literally become every person that you ever encounter, and you feel the direct results of your interaction between you and that person. So no one gets away with anyone or anything. And then after that, in a flash, he said he was back in his severely injured body. In the morgue. And somebody must have so, had to recognize that he was alive in the morgue. So they pronounced him dead, but he really wasn't dead. And I don't want to go to that hospital <laughs> or that morgue. I know. But the thing is, I, those type of experiences, I don't know how spiritual they are. Talking about he could count the nose and the doctor's. The hairs yeah, in the doctor's nose. I, you know, maybe he could, but, but I don't know if it has anything to do with salvation. You see, I, I don't know if it has anything. I, I don't see it. You know, my gut feeling is that the Lord instilled in each and every one of us the knowledge that there is a God. Mm -hmm. And way deep down, I don't care, and, and you probably have to be all by yourself before you admit it to anybody that you long to know that there is a God and that there is salvation and that there is eternity with the Lord. And I think, you know, that inside of you, because you yearn for that, you long for that, uh, maybe you don't act on it, uh, but it's inside of you. And maybe that's triggering or maybe it's the Lord telling you, you know, mm -hmm. you have this experience and he's pulling you and giving you an opportunity. an opportunity. Right. It could very well be because maybe that's what it takes to reach some people. But I, I, but it's not, I don't believe if a person humbles themselves that it's necessary to nearly die. Because he said the word is not even in that mouth. I mean, why go through all that agony when all you have to do is confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, accept the Lord, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it is necessary to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is necessary. It goes beyond just believing because when... when, when he said when Philip was preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, and they were baptized, both men and women, then Simon himself believed also when he was baptized. He continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they came down, prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy, Holy Ghost. Ghost. Right. right. You, you have to go one step further. You know, and the other thing I think people long for is peace. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, when you talk about heaven, you think about 
you think about heavenly peace. Mm -hmm. You think about happiness. You think about everybody getting along. And I think everybody, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a drug dealer or, you know. Unless you're a son of Belial. Unless you, unless you just simply have an antichrist, contrary spirit. But you long for some kind of a peaceful, heavenly realm, you know. If, if, if. But you reject everything that people tell you about the Lord, and you reject the word, and you reject. Because you choose but death. But way deep down, you, that's what you want. That's what you need. That's what you need, but you might not necessarily want it. Because if your heart truly wanted it, that's where you'd be. Yeah, and I was reading this one. They was this article from the Daily Beast that said, "Is hell real?" People who went there, they said it. They said it was. Now, in March 1992, Matthew Bosford walked out of a restaurant in Atlanta and found himself in the middle of a gun battle. He was struck in the back of the head with a nine millimeter bullet. Before he knew it, he had died and gone to hell. He said he felt hot. A needle-like, pierced, excruciating, painful for a brief moment on the top of his head. An account of what he experienced in the underworld during the 27-day coma that followed the shooting. Utter darkness enveloped him as if a thick black ink had been poured over his eyes. He later described being hung over an abyss as heat blasted up from below. He said pairs of demonic eyes crept toward him before... A divine entity grabbed him by the waist and said, it is not your time. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not saying he didn't have the experience. I'm not saying, but you don't have to go to hell to, to, find, to out. find out that hell is real because God has said so. So all these people who are not believing unless they go there, I don't think that's how the scriptures were, were, were meant to be interpreted, that, that people actually have to give not a faith account, but an actual natural account of a spiritual experience. I don't think that, I don't think so. But I'm not saying they haven't had it. I'm saying that most of the I haven't seen it anywhere else in the Bible. Well, you know the they, they spend money on this. A 5.1 million dollar grant to the University of California Riverside was validating topics that Christians have hearkened to keenly. For decades, eyewitness accounts of existence beyond the stopped heartbeat. And but these um, are people who aren't going by faith. See, no. what, see what I'm saying? So, so they're giving accounts of things. So people are saying, oh, yes, there's an afterlife. But they're not saying, I have to trust in the Lord. Oh, yes, there is a hell. But they're not saying, I have to get saved. Right. So here's a doctor, Eben Alexander a neurosurgeon, and he wrote about his experiences being in a beautiful and incredible dream world that wasn't a dream. In his book, Proof of Heaven, which he sold three million copies, mm -hmm. um, he was in a coma at the time. As he flew around with his sister on the wing of a butterfly in an intri intricately uh -huh. designed surface, with indescribable colors and millions of butterflies, more real than, than the chair that he sits in, or more real than the log that's in the fireplace, he said. Uh, there's lots and lots of reports, and it's often difficult to explain them in a naturalistic way. Um, 
but every you know every once in a while people do have these experiences but you know what I would do is I would consider that the Lord tugging at you he's probably thumping you in the back of your head he's probably tugging at your arm or he's he's doing something so that you know that God exists right so that, that, so that when you, you know. wake up when the Lord wakes you up and heals you then you should seek after him yeah I was thinking too about the rich man and, the, and Lazarus you know you know because um about the experience, about the rich, the, uh, the rich man was telling, wanted to tell his experience, or one he said about how he had five brothers and how he wanted, right. how he wanted um, them to know about it, but Mo, but Moses said they got the prophets, let them hear right, him, but because right. he said, so you're already in hell right. and you want somebody to be sent to those that are living, right, to know, but. But, but he's trying to tell you the word lets you know. He said, Abraham said, you have Moses, you have the prophets, you have, if they're not going to hear them, they're not going to believe somebody who comes back from the dead. And they said, well, how, how do you know that? Because they don't believe Jesus. Because mm -hmm. they want it their way. They want the Lord returned in, the, in, uh, in their image, not how the word has specified. You don't need these people talking about I died and there is a heaven. I said, well, God told you that. So to, in this day and age, you have pastors. You have people that the it's, Lord puts across your path. Right, saying, read the word of God. Read, ask God for understanding, you know, so that he can enlighten you. You, you know, I don't need somebody coming back. As a matter of fact, even if they were saying, if they came back to say something, then, you know. And they were dead. They, they, they'd be talking through the smoke. Because the word has already told us. So mm -hmm. the bottom line is read the word. Read your Bible. Read and believe Bible. God. And believe anyone who tells you about the Lord. Right. I mean. You know, when, when they give you the truth. You know, right. you, your ears should be able to hear it. Like my mother told me, no matter who is telling you something, if it's the truth, you should recognize it. Right. So here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, end this program with, um, you know, I saw this on TV, this news report, and it's, it, it came across faithwire.com, and people were talking about it. I just, I just want to touch on it a little bit. A woman was screaming. She made a shocking discovery inside a free couch that she got on Craigslist. And her reaction is a real story. So some people live by the adage, uh, finders keepers, losers weepers, but one California woman recently, and she got this free, free couch off of Craigslist. And when she got it home and she's looking at the cushion, there, you know, it was kind of lumpy and she's looking inside and there were all these envelopes of money. And it turns out that there was $36,000 hidden in, the, in a cushion. So she recently moved to a new home and lacked furniture. So she turned to the internet to find available furnishings and she encountered a family who wanted to give away a sofa and a bedroom set. I just moved in. I don't have anything in my house. I was so excited. So we picked it up and brought it in. 
and she noticed something hidden in one of the couch cushions. She unzipped it, found envelopes filled with thousands of dollars in cash, and it was just astonishing to her. And she called over her son and said, come, 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 I was screaming, this is money. And you know, who would put money inside cash inside of a sofa? And she said, God has been kind to me and my children. They're all alive and well. I have three beautiful grandchildren. So what can I ever ask from God? So in the end, she turned around and contacted the, the family that she got it off of Craigslist and turned in the money. Mm-hmm. Now, as a Christian, mm-hmm. are you obligated to turn in that money? I don't think I mean, so. so you get I mean, that me, so that's just me. Because uh, everybody has to go by their conscience. Because if the conscience condemns them, then God is greater. But when you buy something or somebody gives you something, it's like as is. You know, it would be the same as if she had got the couch and the bottom was gone. You know, the springs were damaged. They would say, oh, well, you know. Came with it. Yeah, it was free. So when, when somebody just, when they give you something. Now, if it had been... I, you know, you don't even know if it was theirs. You don't know if the person. I mean, would it made a difference to you if you had to pay for it? No, <laughs> because then you're buying it as is. Well, anyway, her good deed paid off. Anyway, she wasn't expecting anything in return, and the family offered to buy her a new refrigerator, and they gave her two thousand two hundred dollars. Yeah, and she says that even if she walked away empty-handed. She felt in her heart that she did the well, right thing. She did the right thing for her. So I think, you know, the bottom line, like I say, is if your conscience condemns you, right. then you have to return it. That's right. But if, you're con- if you don't feel bad and your conscience doesn't condemn you. Because it was something that was given to you or something that you purchased as is, then you buy your own refrigerator. And she recognized her own blessings, and, and she knew that the money didn't belong to her. I know that people I, reporting that. I don't um, know. I don't know. Well, she, I don't that where she knew the money didn't belong to her. It didn't belong to her because of the way her conscience dealt with it. But it's the same thing if you, you know, if you ever gone to an estate sale, and then you. You purchase something. You, you purchase about, it as is. And you hear about people buying something, a, a painting or something. For, oh, you buy it at Goodwill. For a dollar or, or whatever. And it turns out to be millions of dollars or right. thousands of dollars. But So anyway, I know even the, the reporters on this particular channel were kind of saying, what? what? Right. <laughs> and only $2,200? They should at least give it a 50%. I mean, you got the sense mm-hmm. that they weren't going to. Right, that they were not going to return it if they found it. Mm-hmm. No, and you and I and I don't believe the people who received the money. I said you don't even know if they were entitled to it. Mm-hmm. Yep, praise the Lord and let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Today's verse of the day comes from Psalm twenty and five. We will rejoice in thy salvation and in the name of our God. We will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now, ain't God all right? God is all right. Praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was, how long must the Lord reign? And the answer is, until he puts all of his enemies under his feet. And that answer can be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 25, which reads, For he must reign. 
till he hath put all enemies under his feet. This week's food for thought is, what did the Lord place as a boundary for the sea? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought.